0: Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats right here in Lexington. I'm Kyle Tucker,
1: longtime Kentucky beat writer, coming increasingly soon to a website near you.
0: Kyle forgot Kyle his spiel other line. My other spiel
1: about if it's a big deal to you, the Big Blue Nation will be talking about it Monday through Friday right here every week on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm still a little bit out of it, Curtis.
0: He's still a little sick, and we're super excited because today we are joined by Jen Smith of the Herald-Leader, UK football beat writer, and we got a lot of football to talk about, Jen. I think we'll just start out Benny Snell. He has become the overriding topic all over the Kentucky fan base. Is he the best running back in the history of Kentucky football? Kyle and I tried to tackle that yesterday. See, we'll just give you an easy one off the top. And you've been covering a little bit longer and been around Lexington a little bit longer than both of us, so... What are your thoughts on Benny overall in the history of the program?
2: That was like a super nice way of you saying that I'm old.
0: No, that's I didn't mean good. that at all. Kyle's super old. I am. He's not has, as old as me though. He just hadn't lived here as so long.
2: Uh, you know, I covered Mo Williams as a as a player when I was at the Colonel in college. So I, I sort of that's the one that I recall. The ones before that are, are before my time or my attention span. Growing up in Louisville, we paid a lot of attention to Indiana and Kentucky in Louisville because that's what my parents cheered for. So, you know, I I, I think that. Game for game. Mo Williams would have sort of an off game and an on game. I mean, the South Carolina game in the rain is still like the most amazing rushing performance I've ever seen live in person. But seeing Benny just consistently game after game, 100-yard game, 155-yard game, there was that one little stretch at the beginning of last season where he didn't look like himself. And then they figured some things out on the line. They got some things straight for him. And then he's really done something since then.
0: Since his rapping career wrapped up... (laughs)
1: Benny, it's been uh, all
0: uphill. <laughs> yeah, uh, to me,
1: I think like the two guys probably in the conversation with Benny are Sonny Collins and which who none of us saw, but the credentials are there. He's uh, their all-time leading rusher, thirty-eight hundred yards. Benny's about eleven 1, hundred yards off that now, in fifth. Um, but he was a three-time first-team All SEC player. Uh, he was SEC Player of the Year, Sonny Collins. So that. That put and, and their all-time leading rusher, so that, that puts him there. And then Mo Williams, their second leading rusher, who has the um, single-season rushing record, which Benny's trying to chase down, 1,600 yards. And that South Carolina game, uh, game Jen mentioned, I looked that up today. I didn't realize it was as crazy as it was. He had 429 all-purpose yards, which lot. at the time it may still be an SEC, was an SEC record and second all-time in NCAA history, had a nice NFL career. I think Sonny Collins, Mo Williams, and Benny are probably the three names. You got Rafael Little and Mark Higgs, but I, um, I think probably those those first two names are the ones he's chasing down in Kentucky history. But I think he has bigger, even bigger kind of things on his mind.
0: Yeah, and I thought the one thing you know that Benny has that and I don't know off the top of my head what you know the team records were for the whole their whole careers of those guys, but him being potentially part of a re building and to another level potentially at this season you don't want to count too far ahead but i mean kentucky's a chance to do something they haven't done since the 80s and potentially win eight games specifically after that florida win if benny snell's team's able to do that i think that would put him probably at the top of that peak
2: i I think it could be, be argued for sure he's and he's sort of the catalyst for this team. I mean, people ask me, I do different podcasts and radio shows around the SEC, and they always say sort of, what's this team's personality? And, you know, everybody kind of wants to say it's Mark Stoops' personality, but I think it's Benny Snell's mm-hmm. personality almost more than anybody's because they just, they don't give, you know, they don't give a, I don't think we can cast on here. So they, they, <laughs> you know, they, they, don't, they don't care what anybody on the outside says. They don't care about the talk or what, what people think about Kentucky. They just go in, they do their business, they get their work done, and then they get out.
1: Yeah, and they're not afraid to say, you know, that they're better than people think, maybe other people think they are. They're willing to sort of stick their chest out a little more as a team, I think, and that starts with Benny, which kind of leads to this discussion beyond the UK record books. So, uh, Pro Football Focus put out its list of early Heisman contenders. Two running backs were on it Um, the kid at Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, who's going to probably, unless he gets hurt, is probably going to be in New York. He's a, a monster. And Benny Snell. Uh, which I think raised some eyebrows. So I guess the question is, I'll ask you, Jen. Do you think it's crazy that Benny Snell is getting Heisman talk, and should Kentucky launch a Heisman campaign for Benny Snell?
2: You know, I actually asked about that this summer. I, I was, we we wanted to write a story about whatever they were going to do for his Heisman campaign. Yeah. That you know, I wanted to sort of jump on top of that and, and get. And get that out there first if they were planning something and and i was told by uk that it wasn't and they weren't planning it yet you know that this wasn't something that they'd even really been discussing beyond you know a couple of meetings with some marketing people so i do think that you know if what is he averaging 150 a game right now two games into the season just ran
1: for a buck 75 against you know uh, in a in a history making win that everybody saw on national tv and everybody's talking about
2: and so yeah i think I would say that, that Josh Allen and Benny Snell are two guys that they really probably should start thinking about getting those marketing gears going and, and figuring something out.
1: Yeah, if I was if I was Kentucky I'd mail out a bunch of, of those uh, mouth guards that have spinners on them that he wore in the game the other night. Those were sort of a viral sensation. He's become a viral sensation. I think he's be I think he's been a little bit of a national darling since he got kicked out of the bowl game last year. And you I think you wrote about this, how he in a way he's sorta of thankful that it happened. He hated it, but he knows that more people know him now than would have ever known him had he not become this huge controversy uh, getting kicked out of that bowl game. Um,
2: uh, he might have been known more, you know, <clears throat> even if he'd run for five touchdowns in that game, you know, all that bowl stuff sort of gets drowned out by... Oh,
1: without a doubt. I, I don't think anything positive he could have done in the game would have made him more famous than getting kicked out. And just for, for the, you know, unjustly kicked out.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that a lot of coaches and sort of football fans latch onto that whole you know, anti-official sort of talk. And I, yeah. I think Benny sort of personified that in December.
1: So I went I went back today uh, thinking about this Heisman thing and looked at the last decade Heisman finalists. I, I don't think Benny Snell's going to win the Heisman, but can Benny Snell get invited to New York? Can he be an, enough of a Heisman continue, contender to get invited to New York? Um, there have been 11 running backs in the last decade that have been invited, been finalists. Um, the, the secret there among them is... Be a national title on a national title contender, and or be it Alabama, Wisconsin uh, or Stanford, because Alabama's had three finalists at running back in that in the decade. Uh, Wisconsin has had two and is going to have a third in Jonathan Taylor probably this year uh, and Stanford 's had three. The outlier and the reason for hope I think for Benny Snell is 2013 Andre Williams from Boston College ran for 2100 yards and eighteen touchdowns. Um, they were a seven and six Boston College team. He sort of falls outside of that. You know, they're not a name program. They weren't even. They didn't even have a huge season, but he did. Um, it gives you a chance. The average running back that's been invited to the to New York for the Heisman the last decade nineteen hundred eighty three yards and twenty two touchdowns. That would be by far. You know, that that would break every record at Kentucky. I don't know if Benny's going to run for almost two thousand yards, um, but I I do think if they are three losses or fewer. He, and he has a huge year, there's a chance. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a guy, he's not a running back, but he played on a team that lost three regular season games, not on a name program necessarily, still got to New York by having a big season. I think anything more than three losses, unless you just have an incredible monster year, uh, puts him out of it. Curtis, Jen, what do you think it takes to get Benny to New York? Can he get to New York?
2: I... Benny can't even really until, you know, this Monday when the, the pro sports focus people came out, he can't even really get into the conversation. And I think so much of that is about Kentucky and the, the Kentucky persona is a basketball program. It's not a football school. You know, Tim Tebow said on on the Saturday SEC program, Kentucky still doesn't have the facilities to compete Which is in the insane. SEC. Yeah, you know, I, there are all sorts of these sort of knocks that come on Kentucky on a regular basis from the national people, except for Herb Street, who's got a close tie with Stoops, and it, it, it seems like. You know, as long as Kentucky is perceived that way, unless they they win the East or, or really make a push to win the East in in some way or beat Georgia, I, I don't know how that how he gets invited. I, I really don't think that there's national enough national perception of Kentucky football yet for that to for that to happen.
0: I think that would be the way. You kind of just touched on it there, Jen. He needs if you're looking somehow and they go until the Georgia game. If they only lose one, maybe two games, and are potentially ranked, and they're going into that Georgia game, it's at home, maybe a CBS game, a lot on the line, and he has a big game. Even if it isn't a loss, that would be his ticket. He, I think he needs that game to be a big game, and then for him to have a big game. That's how you kind of could open up some more eyes, yeah. but I kind of think it is. it is a tough road for him.
2: I'm a little bit. I, I think this this conversation is a tiny bit early. I'm really intrigued to see what he does against Mississippi State. Yeah. That was his worst game of the season before the bowl game when he got yep. kicked out. That was the, his worst game of the season was last year against Mississippi State, and it started him on a tear in the final five games where he was averaging I think 155 yards a game. He was, you know, I think two or three touchdowns a game. He really came on after that game, and it was because he somebody it might have even been me that said so. That was your worst game. Like how do you know yeah. how do you fix that and and they figured out how to fix yep. it. Benny figured out how to fix it. And, you know, I wrote a story in the preseason about what makes Benny run, you know, and I called his high school coach who's known him since he was in middle school. And he was basically like, Benny gets in a zone, both in practice and games, like no player I've ever coached. And Magistro has coached some NFL guys. He's He's been around for 30 years in Ohio and the Columbus area, which has a, you know, pretty strong talent base. So, you know, he's he's one of those guys that said... There's just something about Benny and the way he practices. And then Eddie Grant said that yesterday. Like The Benny you see on Saturdays is the Benny you get Monday through Friday. It's pretty impressive.
1: And, he, and I agree with you. I was going to say, I think where this could really become a real conversation, it we probably is early, but I, I thought it was so interesting that Pro Football Focus already had him on that list. And they've really seemed to take into him. They've done a lot of breakdowns of his games and all the missed tackles he's caused and all those things. Um, and because he's coming off this huge monster game, but Mississippi State, it's going to be – a, a game of national relevance. I mean, Kentucky is now the dark. I think probably replaced South Carolina as the darling of the East, sort of the the um, the dark horse of the East. Although I don't think anybody's challenging Georgia and Mississippi State is is the darling of the West. Um, and and they are rolling right along right now. So, um, I think that's it's already a night game, right? Already been yeah, announced. It's a it, yeah, it's seven o'clock. Yeah, so just don't have TV. On uh, that. I would guess unless somebody trips on themselves going into that one, that's going to be. I don't know. Yeah. Probably not on SEC Network. I would think maybe on ESPN, ESPN two. Um,
2: yeah, it's I, not
1: going to be CBS, but it's going to be a game of national relevance against a team that'll be in the top, maybe in the top ten by then. I think they're eleven right now, something like that. Um, it, it's an opportunity for him. There are going to be a few of those. I think if he has huge games in those against those elite teams, I don't think they have to beat Georgia. But I think if if everybody's watching Georgia to see at that point in the season, can they can they finish this off? And while they're watching Georgia maybe beat Kentucky anyway, you see Benny Snell put up a big game, he he sticks in your mind.
0: We're going to talk more about Benny Snell, specifically how he kind of affects first down play and some explosive plays as well coming up, but first I want to let you guys know, football is here, and if you missed the season, uh, season season-long fantasy leagues have no fear, you can still play on Fandle, Fandle has one week and even one day games, and now They are here to help you even more. Guru is a new tool that makes building smarter lineups simple for fans of all skill levels. So players can be confident you're putting the best team on the field. This is a responsive, wizard-like draft experience that makes recommendations and provides tips as you draft based on who you are picking. I'm on FanDuel, and you should be too. If you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now, you're going to get a bonus. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. What is that bonus? It's $20 when you make your first deposit. So come play with me at FanDuel.com/slash locked on.
2: You are locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast.
0: We're talking about what Eddie Grant said yesterday, Jen. I thought he had a lot of kind of interesting stats. And normally, Mark Stoops is the ones who asks us to check his numbers, but you checked Eddie's <laughs> Grant's number, and it was actually better than he even said. He said that they were getting an explosive play every five plays, but it was better.
2: It was 4.5 plays, I think, is something close to that. And, you know, for their purposes, it's five. It's, you know, round up. But, but yeah, I mean, the fact that they went from – an explosive play every nine plays in 2016, that was after the boom badette era where they had one every seven plays. They were happy in the middle. They wanted they, did really, they wanted one every eight plays this season. But if they can keep on pace to do one every five, that's an impressive number. I mean, against Florida was was really the thing that put them over the edge because against Central Michigan, I think it was one in every 14. So obviously getting one in every four against Florida was was a huge step for them. And and I think so much of that was you know Benny obviously, but then just the push of Terry Wilson, and uh, he was responsible for a considerable amount of those those explosive plays.
1: Who would have guessed that would be the case? That you you can't get an explosive play against Central Michigan, and then you just just rip Florida to shreds with them. The, the other thing I was gonna yeah you we know, talk about Benny Snell, but the overall rushing attack, and this also speaks very much to the offensive line, which deserves a ton of credit, John Schlarmer, their coach, and that group. Um, uh, one of the guys covering Florida put out a stat today. He was researching um, a story on their defensive issues, the Gators, Um, and Kentucky became just the third team since 2002 to rush for over 300 yards against them. One was a triple option team, Georgia Southern, which that's all they do is run. And that's, you know, that'll, that'll be a challenge to anybody. And the other was the 2002 Miami team uh, that had Willis McGahee, who was a 2000 yard player that season. Wait, was Mark Stoops on that staff? Uh, he left after 01 I oh, think or no yeah. after 02 so he would have been on that team. Sick. I think it was oh, 2000 to 2002 so he had the secret <laughs> How about that? He had Marv- the secret ball. <laughs> <vault>. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Actually, he had yeah. And now he's recruit and now he's recruiting uh uh Frank, Frank Gore's kid.
2: No one had run for over 300 yards since that Miami game on the Florida defense. So the fact that Kentucky was able to do it and then this was the first year in 39 years that they'd had back-to-back games with 200-yard rushers, which yeah. is a pretty impressive stat.
1: It is. And it was it's th- divided among three players, yeah. right? There's uh, Benny and A.J. in the first game and Benny and Terry
0: Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the thing going forward with Terry Wilson, it's interesting to see how much they'll use his legs because it, I feel like it wasn't utilized a ton against Central Michigan. And that's why those explos- some of those explosive plays came from Terry Wilson, obviously. The touchdown run. Uh, and a couple First other
1: touchdown games. pass was really about his legs Rolling out and buying time
2: That was the thing I was really surprised about in that first game And I think some of that goes back to nerves To wanting to play within the offense that he's given Not really knowing how to read things correctly It was coming a little faster than he was expecting I really thought in that first game We were going to see him you know, Be able to take off and run And he was running to pass instead of running to run And I think in the Florida game He just decided he was going to run to run And it was really successful
1: It was also really fun that was, that was like one of the most fun performances we've seen in a while.
0: I just like the stat that Kentucky head didn't run a play, an offensive play inside the red zone, the whole game. <laughs> they <laughs> only like, have like three the whole season. Well, right? the, yeah. I mean, in most in most seasons against Florida, someone if you tell that stat to someone, they're like, oh, another Kentucky blowout. Yeah. But this one was because they were getting in the end zone before they could even get in the red zone, which is kind of flipped on its head from how it has been in the previous years. Um, also, the first down efficiency is something that Eddie Grant also uh, mentioned. And he was, I don't know. He gets excited about a lot of things, but man, he was excited about first down efficiency. (laughs) But it came
2: came from a question about third down efficiency. Because they went from like, I think it was 72 in the nation last year to number seven this year. I mean, it's two games in, so we're still playing games. But, you know, it's interesting to know what made them so good on third down. They were eight of their first nine against Florida in that game. They, They struggled a little in the fourth, late in the third and fourth. But, you know, to go 8 of 9 in their first, you know, three quarters is pretty pretty darn impressive. The thing that that Eddie latched on though, is it's not about third down. It was almost like he said, it's not about third down stupid when he was answering the question. <laughs> but he was like, it's about first down. So today, my colleague at the Herald Leader, John Clay, and I were sitting there trying to figure out the numbers on first down and exactly what Kentucky's been able to do on first down. They're averaging 7.5 yards of play on first down. It's pretty impressive. It helps that they've had... Um, several forty-yard runs, thirty-one-yard runs, a couple of other big runs from guys, um, you know, in those games. But but to be able to average that, it really makes those second and third down plays pretty easy and pedestrian. You just hand the ball to Benny.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's, I mean it's it's not rocket science to a certain extent. And I forget the exact quote that Grant said that when he was uh, raving on Benny. And I guess we should have mentioned this when we were talking about him specifically. But you asked Eddie Grant about where he ranks because I mean I think most people are aware Eddie Grant was part of that. Auburn attack as the OC and running backs coach there. He's coached a lot of dudes that played a lot, played amazing in college, played in the pro, and he said Benny was right up there with him.
2: Yeah, it, it's funny. He didn't elaborate on it much other than to say, yeah, I'd put Benny on that list. I'll be curious to ask him at the end of Benny's career sort of where he ranks and why.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, he said of Benny, uh, classic Eddie Gray fashion, he like paused because he goes, was asked about him and he said, let me find the exact right words. <laughs> He's really good. (laughs) And uh, I thought thought that was great. But he talked about, you know, just how he always gets yards. And I I don't know the the stat off the top of my head, but the yards after contact that he gets is just utterly ridiculous. So you know anytime you're on the ball on first down, you're going to get positive yardage almost. It was over
1: 100. I think it was like 122 yards or something in this last game of his 175 were after contact. Maybe more than that.
2: That high school coach that I was talking about earlier, (laughs) he said that, Benny is the only player he's ever seen that gets angry if he doesn't get more than four yards. That that he takes it as a mortal wound every time he doesn't get more than four yards in a, in a carry.
0: Yeah, and also, I did want to mention, uh, I don't know if you were over there when we were talking to Bunchy Stallings, but he obviously got that pancake block that went viral. And he, I just wanted everybody to know, if you're sending him memes about the pancakes and all that, he likes them. <laughs> he's enjoying getting all the tweets about the...
2: Those memes are pain. just making me hungry. Yeah, I
0: know. And then uh, he said he got the... The story about the offensive line coach in Georgia that gives syrup to his offensive linemen when they get that, we didn't follow up and ask if he wants you know, his coaching staff to do that, but he said he liked getting those sweets. He liked seeing all those because offensive linemen love pancakes.
1: Bunchy Dunn did it again. That was a, <laughs> a clip from the, the SEC Network <laughs> yes. with Benny Snell. Uh, by the way, I was just looking up on, on CFB stats. On first down, just running plays, they're averaging 8.1 yards a carry on first down. That's how you get to be really good on third down. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty pretty smart, simple point by uh, by Eddie Gran. So I mean, and they're and they're also, by the way, averaging seven point nine yards a carry on third down. So that's you good. Go. That I think you're, you. if if you're uh, if you're averaging fifteen yards a carry between first and third
0: down, you're probably picking up some first downs. Those are important. We got uh, as I promised on the last podcast. That was the mailbag. We didn't get to all your questions, but we're going to ask some now because they're football related to so last we'll But first. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business And for you fantasy guys out there who signed up for FanDuel, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Use promo code ONCOLLEGE to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use that promo code ONCOLLEGE when creating your account to claim the bonus. I'm uh I'm secretly you didn't shooting, let me finish. I, hold, on, I'm I'm secretly shooting a a documentary
1: as we over the weeks of this podcast of your um devolving into Curtis just slowly devolving into a degenerate gambler. I'm about four <laughs> weeks out and I've been catching Curtis out betting on like middle school uh, pop Warner football games. It's it's getting really sad.
0: You play, you win, you get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you finished off the read there. Good.
2: You are locked on Kentucky part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Here's a question we didn't get to yesterday, Jen. Did the Florida game change your perspective on this Kentucky team?
2: Not really. A lot of people sort of laughed at me. I did a Florida podcast before that game, and I said that I thought this team had enough talent to beat Florida, that I thought that this team, coupled with what happened last season, I I, I thought really Could beat Florida. I picked them, I think, third in the SEC East when I was doing preseason picks. I pondered second. A lot of people sort of laughed at my picks. And, you know, I'm sure there was the girl card thrown in. But, you know, I really legitimately think that the thing that this team has that the other Mark Stoops teams haven't had other than the Benny Snell factor and the Terry Wilson factor now is they have some sort of senior leadership at every position group, and not just leaders, like guys who are vocal, guys who are their best players, the Josh Allens, the C.J. Conrads, the Benny Snells, you know, George The Those guys are leading their position rooms, and it's not coach-led anymore. And, and I know that sounds like a lot of coach speak, but you can legitimately see that when you watch practices. You can legitimately see that when you when you talk to different players, especially some of the younger guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes a big difference. So, no, that's a long-winded answer to no. I sort of thought that they could be a 7-win team again, maybe 8, if, if things went their way.
0: And you wrote about it, and I mean, it's been talked about a lot, but, you know, that can flip kind of the leadership uh, for a position group that doesn't have a ton of senior-led guys, the wide receivers. They're, they're kind of, it's not being led by the defensive backs, but they're being helped by the defensive backs a lot in practice.
2: Yeah, it, it was. they don't let us in practices a lot, but they let us in one right before the start of the season. My favorite battle that I watched that day was Lynn Bowden against Mike Edwards, who's probably one of the better safeties in the SEC. And to see those two go back and forth at each other, to see the shots they were taking at each other, it was just sort of fun to watch them evolve as players by playing each other. And, you know, Edwards has said before, Lynn, Lynn's made me a better player when I asked about that that specific moment. And Lynn, along with a lot of those sophomores and freshmen, because of the 13 scholarship wide receivers, you know, only four of them are juniors or, or, or seniors. So you have a lot of really young guys that have some talent, that have a lot of work to do to sort of get up to SEC speed. And I think having a veteran secondary where everybody is six feet with really long arms can only help those guys in practice.
0: I will phrase that same question to you in a slightly different way. And it was also asked uh, on the mailbag yesterday, Kyle, does with the Florida game, does that change your perception in this way? Do you think there are uh, – how many games aren't winnable going forward for Kentucky football after watching what you saw them do at Florida? Well, as everybody knows, you and I picked them to beat Florida. I know. We're super uh, smart.
1: One of the, And one of the things Jen was talking about, like, it it made here's – the, here's the thing that I think everybody was waiting to see. Like, it made logical sense that they were good enough to take another step – except you didn't know what was going to happen at quarterback. Um, if the quarterback was not a total failure or li- liability, which at halftime I think people were saying he's a liability, I thought that was crazy because you
0: also saw in that first half against Florida all those dynamic plays. Hold on, I want to interject this one thing. Um, Jeff Picoro, who was the color commentator, we actually had him on the, the statewide show, Big Blue Inside of the Host here in Lexington with Dick Gabriel, and we had a clip at halftime. He said that not only did he say Terry Wilson should be pulled, he said that that throw that was intercepted, he's seen... You were talking about me betting on middle school games. <laughs> middle school high school, middle school quarterbacks make better throws than that. Jeff Becoral said that. Caught that was caught on tape. That was on Should air. Be fair Ugh. to
2: Jeff. And maybe he said this on that, account, He had to do a Reds extra innings game and was running on an hour and a half no. of sleep for the Kentucky No.
0: no here's the th- No. <laughs> he stood by his comments. Did was he?
2: A- <laughs> it was
1: a bad Look, there were a couple bad turnovers, but what you saw in 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 Terry is that there were some things he was able to do that you haven't seen a Kentucky quarterback do in a long time and if ever I mean in terms of doing that stuff with his feet being able to turn nothing into something um, look he's got to protect the football but he gives you the best chance to one hit the home run in the passing game and the only chance of the quarterback options they have to when things break down take off and run and get some yards and or score um, so so my thing was going no this beating Florida doesn't really change my perception of what they are other than now I know in a big moment they 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 might get something really good out of their quarterback. And I don't think he's going to totally cost them. I mean, he he may cost them at some point with the turnovers, but I don't think he's a a major liability. Um, I, I think Mississippi state's still a very difficult game because it's, it's all the dangerous weapons they had that just bludgeoned Kentucky a year ago, even coming here at night now coming here and playing at night and a fan base that now is really excited again, in theory, um, Gives them a little better ammunition, but I still, I just find that one really difficult. And then Georgia. Um, beyond that, no, I don't think there's another game on the schedule um, that I'm super skeptical of them uh, having. I mean, everybody else in the league, they've beaten the last time they played. Everybody in the East, not named Georgia, the last time they played them, or the last two or the last four times they played them, they've beaten them. Uh, I think people were on the South Carolina train. I was sort of one of them because of the way they finished last season and they got curb stomped uh, on Saturday so I mean outside of Mississippi State and Georgia I think every game on the schedule is winnable I, I mean Louisville does not look intimidating in the least right now they um, got a quarterback under there's a currently. chance there's a chance for Kentucky to really make that step and th- that chance was here last year this is the ca- the fans are saying okay follow up this good fortune with more. More for us to believe in, but I think the biggest step of his career was to beat Florida.
2: Bigger than the Louisville game?
1: I do because of the streak. The streak. I mean, yeah. that's that's a number eleven well, with the Heisman uh, Trophy. No, yeah, I, mean, that, I mean that. I mean that really felt like the breakthrough. Well, he did. I think it's probably the more impressive win beating Louisville with Lamar Jackson. I think that's the more impressive
0: win. Um, Easy mark. Oh yeah, sorry, I'm banging on the table. Um <laughs> I de- Hold on, let me explain. So that real quick. Uh, Before it. we started recording, I uh, would tried I tried to move something away from Kyle because I didn't want him touching Banging it on the table it, like Mark Stoops does, it'll make, ruining the audio. Mark Stoops during his press conference will kind of bang on the table. But,
2: but, especially when he hates the question. Yeah.
0: But anyway, go So on. we'll see. I think Florida's probably still down, and still transitioning.
1: I, I think in the in the in the long run we'll say it was more impressive that they beat Louisville with the Heisman winner. They yeah. straight-up out him. That's Steven Johnson straight-up outplayed the Heisman winner. That was more impressive, and they did that on the road as well. Um,
2: Would the Florida fans tell you it was Todd Grantham's fault? Both
1: yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> so. Um, but more significant for Mark Stoops, I think, is going to be this Florida game because it just it was the worst loss of his career to me was the Florida loss last yeah. year. Because, not because it was em- embarrassing. Well, it was embarrassing, but I mean, it was like – Everything was there for you to finally do this in front of your home fans. They're halfway over the wall ready to rush the field, and you blew it. And you didn't just blow the lead. You left two guys open. You get a penalty.
2: That your was secondary a secondary coach who left that, yeah, two wide receivers yeah, yeah. open. That was, I, mean,
1: I think part of the reason I think this was so significant to win this year was because, because of how significant of a loss it was last year in damaging his reputation with the fans. And this they, went a long way, I think. People were overturning cars for a Week 2 game against a team that went 4-7 and last year. It meant a lot to people here.
2: I think one of the things that sort of gets overlooked in all of this is they've had a lot of recruiting success in the state of Florida Mm -hmm. with Eddie Grant and Darren Hinshaw in the last couple of years. I think when you beat one of the top-named teams in that state, because all of the people in the state of Florida know Kentucky's Mm -hmm. lost 31 in a row to Florida, I think... Maybe you win a couple more recruiting battles because people don't think, oh, it's a basketball school. Look what they've done in football now; yeah. they're able to sort of get higher in the in the the SEC echelons.
1: And now's the time to strike the the uh, Florida football in, in, at large. Just a little bit down. I mean, Florida State. Right after Kentucky wins, Florida State uh, almost blows it and loses to had to come from behind to beat Samford. Right.
0: Yep. All right, we're going to wrap with this. The debate started yesterday, actually. It, well, this question had different forms, but it got solidified yesterday. Who's faster, Terry Wilson or Lynn Bowden? Granted, Terry Wilson thinks he's faster. Lynn Bowden thinks he's faster. Kyle, who you got in the race?
1: Uh, If it was like an agility test, I'd take Lynn Bowden. In a sprint, it's Terry Wilson. I don't think it's probably a question.
2: I I thought it was interesting that Lynn contradicted and said, no, 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 I'm faster than him. And then when we went, you know, whoever went and asked, I think it was one of the guys from the Colonel, went and asked Terry about that. Terry was like, Lynn knows the truth. I mean, I just thought it, it was such a definitive answer from him. Like, this isn't even a debate. Why are we discussing this today? I
1: can't, I can't remember. Have we identified the player, that video that came it's out Zach, this summer?
0: Uh, Zach, where he just dusted him? Zach Johnson, right? Was it? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. The, the run, yeah, the running back. I mean, he, he
1: ran him down and then ran right by him and... The dude he was racing looked pretty fast, too. I, I just think straight line speed is probably Terry.
2: They mentioned, I mean, that was one of the things that I thought was going to win him the job when we were discussing who was going to get it, Gunnar or Terry. You know, one of the last things that, that Henshaw said to the reporters at the end of the spring game when we were discussing him was he's faster. He's been, you know, in the GPS devices they use to to clock people's speed. He said he's faster than every, every wide receiver we've clocked in all but one or two dBs. I mean, that's. Oh, well, there you go. Then we already have the answer. Lynn Bowden's a
1: wide receiver.
2: (laughs) Maybe Bowden would tell you he didn't give his best effort that day.
1: Uh, Wow. Man, Jen really buried the lead there. (laughs) They actually have scientific data on this. You lose, Lynn Bowden. Lynn
2: might tell you he got faster. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm sticking with my pick. Uh, of course, I, I said, like, set it up after that, that tw- I think well, the I'd- colonel tweeted it, and people immediately, it was like,
0: not now, not during the season, please don't get him hurt. Terry Wilson said that he'd set it up, and he'd share it on his own social media. I like that next level, like, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna yeah. get this, this pub and all the tweets. So-
1: I bet Mark Stoops will intercede before that gets yeah, done not in season.
2: Happen. I don't know, he might want to see it.
0: Yeah. Hey, that'd be good, I don't know, good publicity. <laughs> Jen, let people know where they can find all your work online.
2: Uh, Kentucky.com or KentuckySports.com If you want to get really specific and at Jen Harold leader on Twitter,
0: I'm on Twitter at Curtis Birch B-U-R-C-H at Kyle Tucker underscore sec. For now, however, you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to locked on Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon.
2: You are locked on Kentucky available on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.